You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. We begin with a global news investigation. An alleged gang kingpin may have used a B.C. Liberal MP's law firm to launder money through a Vancouver condo development. John Waugh explains what a bear trust joint venture is and while it is legal, why in this case it should have raised some red flags. In 2011, the law firm of Richmond, B.C. Liberal MP Joe Pesca Salido made a Bear Trust joint venture deal for a company directed by Kwok Chung Tam, an alleged member of the Big Circle Boys, a powerful mainland China-based drug cartel, according to Canada Border Services Agency. The allegations against Tam were made by investigators between 1991 and 2014. Bear Trust, though legal, are controversial for several reasons. Investors can hide land they own in the trust. Only the investors' lawyers have access to that information, and it's protected by solicitor client privilege. And Canadian lawyers do not have to report suspicious transactions to FinTrack, Canada's anti-money laundering watchdog. When Pesca Salido's law firm made the deal, Tam was serving a conditional sentence for drug trafficking. The trust allowed Tam to hide his ownership stake in a $7.75 million Coquitlam, B.C. property. And the numbered company in the Bear Trust is directly connected to several Richmond homes targeted by RCMP drug trafficking investigations in 2006. But Tam has denied ever being involved in organized crime. And his lawyers told Global News these allegations linking Tam to gangs have never been proven in court. Pesca Salido told Global News he never personally completed Bear Trust transactions at his law firm or had dealings with TAM. He said he could not comment on the actions of independent contracted lawyers at his firm. Global's investigation found the deal only because of TAM's court battle fighting deportation. But experts say even governments have no idea how many of these secretive land deals exist in B.C. I've never been involved in a Bear Trust uh, mm -hmm. agreement. Um, I've had uh, lawyers who have in Pescocito and Associates. If you were to ask me how Bear Trust works, I wouldn't know. When it came to the law firm Pescocito and Associates, there were various lawyers, they were independent contractors uh, who worked independent of me. Uh, and the case that we're talking about with the Bear Trust, it was independent of me. Uh, they had access to uh, uh, staff, uh, office space, um, and they ran their whole uh, operation independent of myself. That's Global Sam Cooper questioning MP Joe Pescasolito on Parliament Hill today about these latest revelations. And Sam Cooper joins us now from Ottawa. Sam, we just heard Pescasolito say that he knows nothing about blind trusts. Are they something the public inquiry should be looking into? Well, yes, I think this story shows that we know some of these secretive real estate deals are out there. They're hidden in law firm accounts. And some experts believe that absolutely the public inquiry should probe bear trust. We should be able to have information about exactly who is behind real estate deals in B.C. Are law firms earning big fees? Are they being facilitators of suspicious transactions? And the global's investigations have shown that certainly some of the suspicious characters connected to the casino deal and what looks like money laundering in B.C. real estate are involved in a number of bear trusts. Hopefully an inquiry could give us a much clearer picture. Sam, thank you.
Vancouver police are on the scene of an accident that's left a pedestrian with serious injuries. A man in his 60s has been taken to hospital after being struck by a vehicle at Ross Street and East 41st late this afternoon. The VPD says its collision investigation unit is at the scene and that the driver of the vehicle did remain. Drivers can expect traffic congestion in the area. Nine of the charges against a bed and breakfast owner accused of smuggling people into Canada from Washington State have been stayed. Robert Boulay is still charged with 21 charges under the Immigration Act for allegedly helping seven people sneak into Canada. Boulay is the owner of the Smugglers Inn located on Zero Avenue in Blaine. He was granted bail following his arrest back in April. As part of those conditions, he was required to post a 4 by 8 sign on his property saying it's illegal to cross into Canada from his BNB. His trial is scheduled to begin in January. A gymnastics coach is facing a series of sexual assault charges. Police say 68-year-old Marcel Dubroy is charged with numerous alleged sexual assaults dating back to 2002, involving at the time a, a teenage girl. Dubroy was living in Smithers and still coaching young athletes through Gymnastics Canada when he was arrested by Regina Police. The victim, who is now 30, told police she'd been sexually assaulted by Dubroy over a number of years. Dubroy is due back in court on July 17th. Vancouver City Council is discussing a report from city staff aimed at better protecting renters. One of the major recommendations is to increase compensation for tenants who are renovicted. Aaron MacArthur explains by how much and why critics say it won't solve the real problem. Not much to smile about for the people still living at Berkeley Tower. The building set to undergo a massive renovation and the owner, Reliance Properties, wants to do the work with the suites empty. Tenants say the reason is obvious. It doesn't fit their business model to have people in the building who are paying rent-controlled rents. The city of Vancouver trying to change the narrative for tenants. A set of guidelines recommended by staff sets out clear rules surrounding renovictions, including major increases in payments to people displaced, developers on the hook for between four months and two years of their rent, the organization that speaks for landlords says the changes are welcome, but at what cost? The solution to unaffordability is more homes. We have people moving in here, young workers, we need to provide housing for them, and so we can't forget about future tenants who ultimately will, will incur this cost. Tenants' rights groups say the report doesn't go far enough, leaving out protection for people living in secondary suites or leaving developers several large loopholes to work around. One of the reasons this policy is so important to preserve current affordable housing, because at the very least, while we search for bigger, broader solutions, it's important not to display, mass displace uh, vulnerable tenants. Council passed the staff report unanimously. It will apply to all future and current development permits. Vancouver will have the most generous tenant relocation policies anywhere in North America. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A number of B.C. mills are laying off staff and closing operations for now, blaming poor lumber markets. Just today, Norboard announced it's indefinitely curtailing production at its mill in 100 Mile House. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more. And Keith, just yesterday, Canfor announced cutbacks. 
Yeah, they're curtailing operations at a, a number of operations calling. This is one of the grimmest times for the BC forest industry in quite some time uh, as mill closures as well as curtailment of operations. So by, what I mean by that, mills are literally closing, shutting down for weeks at a time, not closing permanently. But in some cases, they are. Canfor did close one north of Kamloops uh, last month. And again, more closures to come, including that one today in 108 Mile House. Now, what's at play here? What are the factors? Uh, this is not a surprise, folks. The forest industry and the government knew this was coming. So first, basically, uh, the number one problem, a dwindling timber supply. As well, those significant wildfires the last few years have destroyed vast tract of forestry land. Those 20% softwood duties that have kicked in for some time are incurring financial pain uh, by the companies. The stumpage increase is coming on July 1st is another exacerbating problem. It adds up to between 6 to 12 sawmills are expected to close permanently. We caught up to Susan Yurkovich, the head of the BC Council of Forest Industry, says again, it's no surprise. The critical factor here, though, is that low timber supply. Here she is. We have known that this is coming for some time. The chief forester has been talking about the fact that over time, the midterm uh, fiber available will come down. That has to happen because we have too many mills uh, chasing too little f timber at this point in time. And so what we need to do is rebalance uh, the milling capacity along with the fiber available. And so what our industry is going through right now is a period of transition, a very difficult transition to get back to that balance. So there's some pain ahead, uh, Colleen. Uh, the number of workers to be laid off is still undetermined, but six to 12 uh, sawmill closures, we're talking hundreds of people, but even hundreds more are gonna have their paychecks curtailed. They're gonna go without being paid if those mill closes for weeks at a time. So a uh, long, hot summer in BC's former number one industry. Sad news indeed. Thanks for that, mm -hmm. Keith. All right. Richmond is well known for its farms. All summer, dozens of seasonal signs pop up for a short while, advertising fresh, locally grown produce. But this year, one farmer has become embroiled in a battle with bylaw officers over his strawberry signs. Sarah McDonald is in Richmond tonight. And Sarah, this farmer says that the city has lost its common sense. And I understand he's not alone in that feeling. Colleen, a battle is brewing between the city of Richmond and one of its most well-known farmers. And it all revolves around a single sign. It's the signage at the center of controversy in a city known for its long and rich agricultural history. This patch has just been picked, but these are some of the riper strawberries. But Bill Zalmans has been told time is up for this three-meter-wide advertisement. Used to signal his farm's strawberries are ripe for the picking every season for more than four decades. Until now. I've had this same location. I put the first sign on that site in 1978 for each strawberry season. This year, they decided that's it. The reason? It's size and it's placement on public property in a busy intersection, according to the city, which slapped Zalman's with a $1,000 fine on Tuesday, his second bylaw infraction in one week. The location there is right by some crash barriers that are there for a safety reason, and so we can't have those compromised. Local MLA Jazz Joe Hall calls the city's crackdown on hawking seasonal crops a misuse of resources. There's a better use of uh, taxpayer dollars in regards to going after infractions. I don't think going after the strawberry farmers what Richmond residents wants to see. Zalman's longtime loyal customers agree. This guy's just trying to make a living. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. 
Strawberry season is as short as it is sweet, typically lasting just a few weeks. These are some of the riper berries. And Zalman says he needs to capitalize on his crop while he can. There's absolutely nothing that it hinders at this point. But not to the tune of a four-figure fine. So the sign is coming down, for now at least, with just days left in the season. As the tug of war between the agricultural community and city council continues with this farmer feeling singled out as low-hanging fruit. But this may not be a point of contention come next season. City Council says it plans to take a look at that bylaw and reassess it in the coming months. Colleen, for his part, Zylmans wants a seat at the table with city councillors after this strawberry season is over. Thanks, Sarah. Growing concern tonight about the potential dangers of some breast implants. Health Canada has found an increased risk of a rare form of cancer connected to textured breast implants and has suspended the sale or import of them in Canada. Catherine Urquhart has more on what patients need to know and watch for. Sarah Lovely hopes to spend many more years enjoying her roses. Her desire to live a healthy life now prompting her to go under the knife. Suddenly my, my desire to have them removed um, went forward a little, right? Yeah. I wanted them out. 17 years ago, the mother of two got breast implants. That exact type, she's learning, is linked to a rare form of lymphoma. I was uh, shocked. I was told when I had them 17 years ago that they were the safest on the market. And so these are the implants that have been taken off the market. Allergan's BioCell breast implants have been recalled by Health Canada. At least 26 cases of cancer are connected to the textured implants. Hundreds of thousands of Canadians are believed to have them. We use them almost as uh, the implant of choice for perhaps almost a decade and I, I think we have in my practice alone somewhere in the order of 500 patients that have them. Many of Carr's patients are anxious to get them taken out. He's encouraging people to consider a number of factors. If they're doing well with their implants, the implants are comfortable, they haven't had uh, problems with pain or swelling or lumps in the breasts, then we're telling them they really needn't be um, uh, worried to the degree that, that they're planning to have the implants removed immediately. So far, Sarah has had no problems with her Allergan implants, but she's done with them, ready to have them removed as soon as she can book a surgeon. You know, I'm a lot older now, <laughs> and I care a lot less about um, having the breasts be perfect. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. An Okanagan mother is making an emotional appeal to the city of Penticton to improve public safety and combat open drug use. It comes after her teenage daughter was struck by a vehicle as she tried to avoid what she believed was a potentially dangerous situation. Shelby Tom explains. I went flying, but I kind of like did a little twist. 13-year-old Brooklyn Sidorchuk is recovering from bumps, scrapes and road rash after she was struck by a vehicle while attempting to cross a busy highway on June 1st. I didn't feel anything until I was on the ground started screaming. I've never screamed uh, that loud in my whole entire life. Sidorchuk usually takes the Skaha Lake Road underpass to safely get home from the beach, but this time what she saw made her feel uncomfortable. It was a huge tent. Um, I saw a guy and then I saw like needles. And I'm like, 
Okay, <laughs> he's shooting up. Brooklyn's fateful decision could have cost her her life. All I saw was you on the ground and people, all these people around. But her mother, Megan, is dismayed. The teenager was put in that position in the first place. Her gut told her no don't go back there. She's now calling on the city to do more to improve public safety and combat open drug use. The problem is, is that the drug use has become so prevalent in the city um, that it's just gotten out of control. Whether it's increasing enforcement patrols or installing more needle disposal boxes, Sidorchuk wants to be part of finding a solution. If we can band together as a community for those who advocate for safe passages, beaches, there's enough of us in the city that can come up with some solution. The city says in a statement it's taken steps to address these concerns by investments in public safety, including additional RCMP and bylaw resources and a new downtown community safety office. A lot of mothers like myself or fathers like my husband um, are really sitting back saying, wow, that could have been my child. Shelby Tom, Global News. An unusual act of animal cruelty has left a Rossland family reeling and struggling to understand who could have done such a thing. They returned home from a weekend trip to find thousands of their precious honeybees lying dead in their backyard. Jennifer Palma tells us why, sadly, the culprit isn't so mysterious. There's a little less buzz in this hive, a traumatic event for 13-year-old Jack after coming home from a trip earlier this month. We went on to, oh, to the deck because I like to check on the bees, and the whole landing area was just black with balled up dead bees, and uh, I didn't know what happened. I went down there, I was trying to figure out what happened, and when, I mo when mom went down there, she s could smell that it was poison. The Rosslyn, B.C. family says they think someone had made their way into their backyard and were shocked to see that Jack's beehive had been kicked in and apparently sprayed with heavy-duty insecticide. The family says thousands of bees were killed. It was really, really sad. I was crying. I loved the beehive so much. Um, yeah, it just was awful. These are more than just bees to Jack. Beekeeping is a family tradition. His 99-year-old great-grandfather gave him the hive. The community is behind him, though, giving their support. A friend of ours built us a new beehive bottom, and that was really nice of him. Uh, and I've been getting tons of support online of people offering bees and beehives. The pointless and heartbreaking act is devastating to Jack, who hopes his colony will thrive once again, but the poison is lingering in the yard and hive. Jennifer Palma, Global News. At a time when the services of food banks are growing in demand, there's nothing worse than perfectly good food being thrown away. A big announcement today in Surrey hopes to go a long way towards getting more of that food to where it's needed. Linda Aylesworth has the details. This is exciting. It's prepared food. Looks like there's some meat from the deli. Lori Nickel loves food. So look, there's sandwiches. That would be awesome for kids to take for their lunch. But not just any food. The kind that's donated to help others. It doesn't have to be perfect. Perhaps a little past its best before date. You'll lose some of the nutrients and it might not be as tasty, but it's perfectly safe to eat. So why don't we eat it? Fact is, 58% of food is wasted in Canada, 32% of it while it's still edible. 
Nichols' mission? To stop the waste and get it to people who need it through the not-for-profit organization Second Harvest. So great that it's going to a great cause because otherwise it would go in landfill. 11.5 million metric tons of edible food ends up in Canadian landfills every five months. It just wouldn't be saleable. Uh, a lot of it would be reduced, but if it didn't, uh, it didn't sell when we reduce it, it would end up getting thrown in the garbage. Second Harvest has long helped to divert food from the landfill, in this case to the Surrey Food Bank. Now with the help of funding from Loblaws, they're launching a new venture, foodrescue.ca. And it's a tool that allows local food businesses to connect directly with a local social service agency. I refer to it as the eHarmony of food. It's already making a big difference. We have some fresh vegetables, we have fresh meat that's going in to the, uh, the van right now. So these are the kinds of items that we never usually get donated uh, to us in significant quantities. There's also some yummy cinnamon rolls. It's open to any food business. If you have food and you don't want to throw it away, trust me, somebody wants it. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Time-lapse video shows salvage crews raising a sunken tour boat from the Danube River in Hungary today. The boat, named the Mermaid, went under last month after a larger cruise liner rammed it from behind. 28 people died. Each level of the boat was searched as it surfaced and four more bodies were found. Four still missing. The boat will be taken to an island for further investigation. The captain of the cruise liner is still under arrest. Nearly 18 years after the 9-11 terror attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City, the remains of another victim have been identified. The remains were recovered in 2013 and identified through DNA testing. The man's name is being withheld, but he is the 1,643rd victim identified of the more than 2,700 people reported missing. About 40% of the victims are still unidentified. The ongoing health struggles of 9-11 first responders generated some raw emotion today in Washington, D.C. Comedian Jon Stewart, at times choking back tears, lambasting lawmakers for dragging their heels on a bill that would ensure they're compensated for their heroism and sacrifice. On Capitol Hill, faces of 9-11. He was the life of my family. Family members, first responders, and fighting alongside them, longtime ally Jon Stewart. They responded in five seconds. They did their jobs with courage, grace, tenacity, humility. 18 years later, do yours. The push to extend the Victim Compensation Fund created to help those suffering from 9-11 related illnesses and their families. But the fund is running out of money, already paying out more than $5 billion with 21,000 claims still outstanding. How is it fair that I was duly compensated, but others that are now sick and dying from their exposure will not be? Former NYPD detective Luis Alvarez was there. His cancer has spread throughout his body. Now he's fighting for those still waiting for help. You made me come down here the day before my 69th round of chemo. And I'm going to make sure that you never forget to take care of the 9-11 responders. Stewart pointing to dozens of Shameful. empty committee chairs. It's an embarrassment to the country, and it is a stain on this institution. Accusing lawmakers of not making this a priority. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity. Time.
New video tonight appears to show the helicopter that slammed into a Manhattan high-rise yesterday flying erratically before the crash. The FAA says the pilot of the helicopter wasn't authorized to fly in the low cloud ceiling that was over the city on Monday, but they don't know why he was in the air. Tim McCormick was the only person on the chopper when it crashed into the 54-story tower. His family is calling him a hero, saying by putting the chopper down on the roof of the building, he saved many lives. He was once the biggest movie star in the world. Now part of his life is about to go on the auction block. He was a man's man, but the ladies loved him too. He was a global icon. More than 850 items that belong to the late Burt Reynolds will be up for sale this weekend in Beverly Hills. Everything from clothes and jewelry to his expired passport and prints of that infamous 1972 Cosmo centerfold he grew to regret. The big ticket item? A 1979 Trans Am he had restored to match the car he drove in Smokey and the Bandit. It's expected to go for as much as half a million dollars. The entire collection could bring in more than two million. In health news tonight, a wake-up call for people who like to fall asleep while watching TV or with the light on. A new report says doing so is linked to weight gain. For so many of us, it's the nightly routine television as we drift off to sleep, the modern-day nightlight that may be a reason some pack on the pounds. According to a new study, women who slept with a television or light on gained 11 pounds or more compared to those who slept in the dark. Researchers at the National Institutes for Health suggesting artificial light may disrupt sleep enough to change levels of appetite-regulating hormones. Using smart devices as you nod off could increase your risk of obesity by 33%. We're facing an obesity epidemic, and things like this that we have more control over, these are easier therapeutic targets. With researchers suggesting artificial light throws off your body clock, the solution is simple. Sleep in a cool, dark room. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. In other health news, Vancouver firefighters hosted a group of inner-city youth for a barbecue. Executive chef Wayne Sitch from Joe Fortes and MasterChef Canada contestant and firefighter Michael Varga did some grilling for kids from Street Front. The Vancouver program encourages marginalized children to learn and develop life skills to help them succeed. You know, this is extremely important to do this kind of thing in the community uh, as firefighters to give back. I have kids myself and... I want to give them all the opportunities and chances in the world, and there's no reason why these kids shouldn't have it either. So we can just give them a little bit of a helping hand and take care of our community first. It's, you know what, as firefighters collectively, we absolutely love doing that. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Holy smoke, passengers on a boat in Germany got a rougher ride than they bargained for when a storm dumped huge amounts of hail. Hailstones as big as golf balls made short work of windshields and several people were injured, including a seven-year-old child. The storm also flooded roads and uprooted trees. My goodness. A strange sight captured by a home surveillance camera. An ominous shadow appears on the screen, but what came next? That's blown up on the internet. 
We're going to have that right after we get the forecast from Christy. And Christy, it is like summer out there today. Yes, record-breaking conditions, likely about 15 of them across the province today. This is a scene in Gibsons. A lot of contrails today. You may have noticed that, but blue sky otherwise. Let's have a look at some of these numbers. Oh, I wanted to show you this a shot from Penticton as well. Some little uh, Simpson clouds off in the distance there. So uh, these were the top uh, records. Lytton hit 34.3 degrees. That was a record, or, um, sorry, that was a hot spot right across the country today. Lillooet 32.1, Port Alberni 30.5, and Pitt Meadows hitting 29.8 degrees. So really hot and definitely feeling like summer. Here's a look at the lower mainland. So at the airport, we hit 24, but just away from that, 30 in Pitt Meadows, 31 in Langley and Cultus Lake at 32. And we were close to the 30 degree mark right across southern BC, thir- further north into the 20s. But uh, yeah, it's sensational. Now, we have had a fair amount of pollen in the air. And of course, these are the cottonwoods blowing around. Uh, one of uh, um, our engineers here at Global sent me this video. Thank you to Jerry for that one. Uh, if you're worried about your allergies, things are actually looking a little bit better. Come tomorrow and into the next day also. We're expecting most allergens to be uh, low. So not to worry. You won't have to take your allergy medicine. Now, the heat, though, is going to last for one more day. This ridge of high pressure is sitting right over the south coast, so expect temperatures close to the 30-degree 30, 30 mark, sorry, 30-31 degree mark tomorrow, and enough humidity that it'll feel even hotter, but by Thursday, we'll start to see more zonal flow. That's onshore flow, and that starts to drop the numbers a little bit. So, big improvement. I want to remind you, though, fire bans are now increasing tomorrow at noon. Uh, the Kamloops Fire Center now included in a Category 2 fire ban, southeastern corner of Category 3. Category 2 means you can have uh, a campfire, but you can't have anything larger than that. Here's your forecast for tomorrow. So still a chance of showers across the northwest. Otherwise, we have a risk of thunderstorms in through the central interior and down in through the Caribou region, but hot and dry for the rest of southern BC. 31 degrees away from the water. And again, some humidity. It'll feel closer to 30. But then we start to get a little bit more comfortable. Still no rain in the forecast, except we do have a chance of showers on Sunday. Our weather window for tonight, uh, potentially a monarch, but I've had a photo like this before and there was some controversy as to whether this was. If you know about butterflies, email me. Janine uh, took this great shot of a very large butterfly. So thank you, Janine, for that one. And before I hand it back, BCAA Play Here uh, contest is giving away three place-based revitalizations worth up to $100,000 each. Here's a look at two of the finalists. The Black Creek Community Center on Vancouver Island is hoping to replace its more than 30-year-old playground. It's not safe anymore for the kids to play on, and uh, it's actually the only playground in the area. And in Oliver, the community is hoping to build a new skate park to give local kids and teenagers a safe place to hang out and get exercise. So this would replace an old skate park that was actually very poorly designed and wasn't usable. So you can vote for your community that you would like to see win. Just go to our website at globalnews.ca slash contest and uh, check out all the uh, the finalists there. All righty. Thanks so much, Christy. A Facebook post has sparked a heated online debate. See if you can figure out what this is. A woman who lives in an unidentified American city posted this video of a strange creature walking down her driveway at night. For her part, she swears it's not Photoshop, but of course that only fueled the debate. Some suggest it's 
Dobby, the elf from Harry Potter. Others say it's nothing more than a skinny kid with a shirt on his head walking funny. It's creepy no matter how you slice it. It does look like Dobby. It does look like Dobby. Yeah. That's exactly how it is. All right. I admitted it was me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Didn't think it would get on the news, but you know. How did you get that shirt on your head? Well, that's that. I I don't really want to go into that part of it. No, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't. It's an odd walk, though. That very strange that's gait. Like, that's incredible turnout. Yes. Strange. You gait. probably don't have that. No. That rules you out. Ballet turn. I, yeah. I, I've walked like that if my sciatic is acting up. <laughs> so it's entirely possible it could have been me. I've been dying to ask you this all day. Okay. Did you see the game last night? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Despite the fact there was an excellent Pawn Stars on, I flipped over <laughs> and watched the game. Um, and actually, I've been looking at the odds. Uh, the Warriors are ranked two and a half point favorites right now for Game Six. I'm telling you something, I would take that money. I'd go. I'd go Raptors. I would too. I go. I'd go Raptors. Okay. So for 12 minutes last night, Kevin Durant put a scare in the Toronto Raptors. He scored 11 points, and Golden State needed every one of those 11 points. But the calf, now Achilles issue that had kept him out of action for a full month, returned in the second quarter, and he went down for good. He's not coming back in this series. But for all the ramifications that this injury causes in the series, none is more disturbing than the reaction of some Raptor fans cheering at the sight of him down and out last night, and no amount of pregame beers can excuse it. Doctor trying to stay with Durant, knocks it away, and Durant's limping. I don't like to hear the fans yeah. cheering. I, I'm surprised by that. Very confused around that reaction. Um, it's not my experience with you know the people of this city, and I commend obviously Danny Green and, and Kyle Lowry, especially. I think they were the ones that were kind of signaling to the crowd like. Let's, let's check ourselves a little bit and understand that this is about an individual and a human being and not, oh, shoot, he's out, he's hurt, we won the championship. I just hope uh, that ugliness doesn't show itself again um, as we go forward in this series. Now, with the Warriors down 3-1 to the Raptors going into last night's game, there are some who wonder if Kevin Durant was rushed back into the lineup hoping against hope that he was healthy enough to play the rest of the series. The Warriors say... He was medically cleared, and putting him in the starting lineup was not reckless. I don't believe there's anybody to blame, but I understand this this world, and um, if you have to, you can blame me. I I run our basketball operations department. Let me tell you something about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant loves to play basketball, and the people that questioned whether he wanted to get back to this team were wrong. Okay, so for just the 13th time in history, I believe I'm right, the Stanley Cup Finals has rolled a seven. The final game is tomorrow in Boston. Winner gets the grail. Last Stanley Cup game seven also involved the Bruins. I'd go into it further, but many of you have just eaten (laughs) and you don't need riot flashbacks. The uh, Bruins are the favorites tomorrow against St. Louis, but overcoming the odds is exactly what St. Louis is all about. Remember, they were dead last in the standings on New Year's Day. 
Then they had the most points the rest of the regular season. They made the playoffs. They had a chance to win it all at home in game six. They lost, but they've been a great road team in the postseason. And as we said, winning when it's not expected is the Blues' specialty. You know, we respond pretty well to adversity, and uh, when, when it's on the line, we, we tend to get good results. So that's what we're, we're hoping for tomorrow, obviously. But again, we're, you know, it's going to be a tough game for sure. We've got to put in the effort. You know, we play a simple style of hockey, um, you know, getting pucks deep, forward checking, that kind of thing. I think that goes along with how our road success and, uh, is, you know, how we play. You know, one thing about the NHL playoffs, it keeps showing us year after year that the game changes once the playoffs begin. The pure skill guys, some of whom are smaller, can get rubbed out in the postseason because the referees are not about to call everything and affect the game the way they might say in November. Jim Benning, Canucks GM, says that this year's draft, Vancouver will be looking for bigger kids. Or if not big, tougher kids. Because once you make the playoffs, you need those type of guys. Yeah, it's, and I've talked to other general managers about that. And I think it's, it's, you know, it's, you need the skill to make the playoffs. And then once you make the playoffs, if you're going to keep going, I think the size, strength, you know. But it, it goes back to courage and hardness and if your players you know they don't have to be big but if they compete hard and they're you know they got the courage to play inside then they could be successful in the playoffs i'm sorry colleen these are the best seats i could get on StubHub. <laughs> usa thailand women's world cup in france and this was easy for the americans in fact alex morgan who scores there would score five times in this game this is her third. It was 8-0 when she scored here in the 74th minute. Now, the Americans, they scored 13 goals. I'm not sure they needed to celebrate the later ones the way Megan Rapinoe was celebrating this one. Okay, all right already. It's 9-0 at that point. 13-0 is the final. All right, let's go full circle on this Durant injury. The U.S. Open Golf Tournament is this week, and a man who knows about injuries and trying to play through them is Tiger Woods, who said athletes play hurt because, it's very simple, they love to play. Why do we do it? Because we're competitors. You know, as athletes, you're, our job is to, is to make the human body do something it was never meant to do and to do it efficiently and better than anyone else who's doing it at the same time. Well, things sometimes go awry, and um, we saw it last night with Kevin. Hmm. Here we go. Interesting. All right. Okay, it's the biggest trade show of the year for an industry that could hit $15 billion in sales this year. E3 2019 has the world's biggest video game companies showing off their new products in Los Angeles, and not surprisingly, fans are showing up in droves. Video game enthusiasts are taking over the Los Angeles Convention Center, where E3, the biggest industry event of the year, is now underway. E3 in a large part is, you know, all the hype for the games that are coming out later this year. Today, Nintendo executives unveiled the company's newest offerings. I'm Doug Bowser. No relation to the Mario character Bowser, in case you were wondering. We get that a lot. With new Zelda and Resident Evil games among the latest releases for its popular Nintendo Switch console. The location of your new adventure. As well as the highly anticipated Pokemon Sword and Shield. So many games. Also gaining buzz. Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order from Electronic Arts. 
a Marvel's Avengers blockbuster. Shattered. And there's even a Game of Thrones collaboration called Elden Ring. No matter what kind of gamer you are, there is a game here for you. More than 200 exhibitors line the floor at this year's expo. But Sony and its PlayStation console sat this one out for the first time in the show's history. We're excited that so many companies have come to E3 to showcase what they're doing. And they've got an opportunity now to really grab that limelight. Through Thursday, all eyes are on E3, where fans from all walks of life take a run at the latest video games. Liz McLaughlin, NBC News. Taking a run Is that guy it. running off with an Xbox? Like, why are they chasing him? <laughs> I have no idea. I guess you're, well, you're either a gamer or you're not, right? It's, you're rarely in the middle. Yeah. Um... I guess so. As a parent, I'm, I'm sort of always just checking it out, making sure, what is my son? Is he a gamer? Is he not? I'm not Wait. sure. Wait, they've got a couple of years to go. Yeah. Get down with Halo. You guys know that one? Master Sorry. Chief? No? I, I can barely operate my computer at work. All right. Come on. Come on. What, you've got an update on the butterfly? We had so many responses on this butterfly. You just got to love our viewers. So this is a tiger, swallowtail butterfly, not a monarch. Apparently because of the markings, the blue and the orange that you see there. So, so beautiful. Thank mm-hmm. you. And his name is Bob. Have a great <laughs> night. <laughs> Ooh, look at that. That's, That's awesome.